Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. My guest today is my friend Peter, who joins me from a tiny little village in the Tuscan foothills here in Italy. But he's originally from Budapest in Hungary and has lived in a handful of countries around Europe and explored a lot of the world. But he keeps coming back to this country that we both find ourselves in right now, which is Italy. And he has a deep, deep knowledge for this place. So after living here for many years off and on and and calling this wonderful country home, he is able to share quite a bit of knowledge on some of the places you may or may not want to go and settle down if you're exploring long term stints here in Italy. We also talk about my recent move to this country, at least for the, the current period and some of the things that are going on in his hometown there in Budapest, which is pretty exciting as well. So a lot of things covered in this one. He's also the founder of Anywhere Consulting and has some great perspective on remote work and the future of work and digital nomadism. So we wrapped it all up into this conversation that's really centered around finding those hidden gems here in Italy and and making this country as great as it can be for you. So a lot of fun. I hope you all enjoy this one. Please help me in welcoming Peter to About Abroad. Yeah, I'm actually very interested in the in the Budapest thing, because like I, I just I actually knew you were from Hungary. But before we connected here today, I didn't know you were specifically from Budapest. And then um, obviously, like our work is what's brought us together. And so I find this really interesting because I think it's one of the most underrated cities in Europe. And I'm actually like planning an offsite there for a team right now, because I think it's like it's one of these places where you can go, you can have a lot of fun, you can see a lot of cool European history for people coming from other parts of the the world. Like this is fascinating to them. It's not super, it's not expensive. It's very affordable from like a offsite coordination standpoint. And it's just, it's always been like, I visited the first time when I was, I think like 20 or 21 or something. I fell in love with the city. So anyway, I just, I'm kind of fascinated. Like this wasn't the intention of our conversation today. We're going to spend a lot of time on Italy, but like, I love that you're from Budapest and we can maybe have a chat about it as well. That's okay. Yeah, I'm originally from Budapest, uh, born and raised there. Lived there for, Jesus, like for... So I'm originally from the countryside of of Hungary, moved to Budapest to have the university there and uh, started working from there. So give or take 20 years combined uh, spent in the city, usually in the central. And yeah, I lived in London as well, many, many years for work-related issues. Originally coming from the advertising world, by the way, personally. Um, And I moved back to Budapest in 2014. And back then I moved back because uh, I wanted to become a little bit more like an expat in my own city, right? Because I I started working remotely uh, at that time. And that allowed me to kind of like unchain myself from the Hungarian work 
related issues, political issues, the city issues, everything, everything that was going around in Budapest at that time and still going around uh, uh, in, in, during these, these these years and days. The first f- for three, four years or so, with a couple of my friends who were also from Hungary and working remotely, we started a Facebook group called Digital Nomads Budapest. Uh, this is a plug. If you want to join there, it's free. It's a Facebook group. We have like 6K members. Uh, it's un, pretty much unmanaged, uh, fully organic. All the expats are joining there. They are meeting, creating uh, meetings, creating uh, uh, places where they can share um, their journey together. Uh, while they are spending time in Budapest, either as a remote worker. Some of them are working for companies like enterprise companies. There are lots of um, Central and Eastern European companies have uh, HQs in Budapest as well. And they are working there in office um, as an expat uh, on a work visa or something. And they are curious to meet with each other uh, who are not from the local communities. Yeah, so Budapest is is changing and it has been changing for the last five to ten years, I think. When I moved back um, in 2014, it was a highly affordable city to live in, I think. So don't compare it to London, obviously, or New York or, or, or you know, these major points. Compare it to Prague, uh, compare it to Vienna, compare it to Warsaw, uh, Krakow. Um, and, and stuff like that. Compared to those cities, Budapest was more affordable. Uh, Budapest was more, well, I'm biased, obviously, but more enjoyable, uh, more things to do. It's more rough around the edges a little bit more uh, than those cities, meaning that the experiences that you have as party, as meeting with people, um, all the goodies are more, I wouldn't say honest, but like more down to earth. But now around three to five years, it became a little bit more expensive, I think, due to inflation and whatever. Uh, we shouldn't go down there. But um, but now it's more like a Prague level of like cost of living. So it's, I think it's, it's fair to say that compared to Prague, Budapest is kind of like at the same level in terms of cost of living. And uh, usually I tend to say that compared to Prague, although I love Prague, Prague is more like a gem, like everything is super packed in, right? I mean, you've been to Prague, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with you. I think it's a beautiful way to, to make the, the comparison. Yes. Prague is, is, I wouldn't say small, but most of the things that you would see as an expat who are interested in the Czech culture or Central and Eastern European culture, the history, the city itself, the Bohemian uh, uh, spaces there, um, Prague is pretty packed. Uh, you can walk around the city and see everything within days. Budapest is more like, you know, you have the Buda castle there, the Buda hills, you have the Pest side with party district and so on. You have other uh, interesting areas of the city. Everything is like, it's not that packed. Uh, it's also, by the way, a bigger city. So we have like, I don't know, 1.5, 2 million people or so. Um, give or take with the agglomeration and the, and the metropolitan area of the city. So it's a bigger one um, and more scattered across in terms of location of the city. So I would, if I would travel to Budapest as an expat, I would take at least a week or two to fully immerse uh, into the city because 
you just have the distance between between different spaces. But it's worth the shot, of course. Yeah, yeah, it totally, it totally is. One of those places that just kind of like I didn't have when I went there as a younger person, like I didn't have expectations, I guess. Like I just was like, yeah, okay, I want to go to Budapest. And then I went and it kind of like caught me off guard as to how much I enjoyed it. Um, and I, and I think that's like one of the, the beautiful things about, um, travel, especially when you can get to a point where you can travel, like maybe kind of how we are now, like you and I are spending significant amount of time in different places. And that gives you a chance to like, you know, do day trips to places and, and to, or to really immerse and maybe get past some of the like glitter and glamour and, and the shine on the surface and find out that like, oh, maybe I don't love this place as much. Um, but a lot of times you discover these hidden gems. I wouldn't describe Budapest as a as a hidden gem anymore by any means, but people are aware that, that it that it's a cool place to go. But it still is on that tier where it's like, you know, maybe on someone's first trip or second trip abroad, they're gonna go to, you know, Rome and and London or Buenos Aires or something. And then like at some point they get to Budapest. And I think it can get really fun when you start getting into those those uh those cities around the world that like just that you just resonate with. You, you, you know why people do that most of the time? I think it's the same reason why I did it when I moved back. It was the, of, of course, I mean, I'm from there, so I know the city, but, but, but I did move back because it was the perfect home base for European-based travel. The airport is, I don't know, 30 minutes from the city center or so. Um, it's an international airport. You have daily connections uh, direct connections to most of the cities in Europe. Um, it's, I don't know, like two hours, everything, uh, pretty much from Budapest, right? It's nothing. Um, and when you are not traveling or visiting Rome, Paris, London, and all the goodies in, 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 in Europe, you, you get to live in a city, which is more affordable for you, uh, yet still also offers you a hell lot of more than other cities around the vicinity uh, because it's packed with culture, so many people around, a lot of expats there. Actually, we are right now, and you are in, in, in Italy, Trento, uh, up in the Alps. I'm currently in Tuscany, also up in the mountains. And the very reason why I'm here, by the way, is that uh, I have a guest at my flat in Budapest, so I own a flat in, in the city central, and I rent it out for 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 digital nomads. This is not a plug; I never advertise it. Um, but actually, that person found me on that uh, Facebook group that I mentioned, and uh, and we discussed. She's staying for three months uh, in the flat because she enjoys Budapest and also enjoys Europe. She's from the United States, so usually, what is that? It's like. 90 days of visa, I think you have been normally, right? So it's like three months and she's there spending the Christmas, the, uh, the fall uh, in Budapest and also visiting all the cities around Europe. Uh, last weekend, she was in Milano uh, just for two days. Why not? It's perfect to, to stay in Budapest for, for these kind of home trips. It's a, it's a great home base. Like you, uh, I mean, you, you've rattled off the, the right reasons. Like it's a, it's relatively affordable. You can hop off. Like when you, you mentioned the thing about the airport, I think some people may not understand why, if you haven't traveled a lot, uh, or you, or you haven't, it's, I think, especially in Europe, like airports can be listed as the quote unquote city, but they're like an, sometimes like an hour outside the city and you have to take public transport to get there or something like that. Like they're, 
So this can be, this can add a big element. Like if you're taking frequent trips, let's say you're going to come to a place like, um, you know, Budapest, for example, spend three months there and try to do every other weekend, do weekend trips to other places. Like that adds a lot of friction to the, to the process. Um, it's one of the reasons I loved living in Valencia, Spain so much was because I could leave the city center, my apartment in the city center. And in, in 35 to 45 minutes, be at my gate. You have the airport. Yeah, yeah. Through this uh, security, sitting at my gate in 45 minutes and because the airport was 10 minutes away or whatever. So that that close proximity and and the fact that everything in Europe is fairly relatively close so you can afford to do those hopping off trips. Like if you can find that that city that calls to you that's also affordable and offers that quick transportation with a big international airport, like you're starting to check a lot of boxes. Um, and, and so... Good for good for you. You guys connected through this group. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's amazing, and she she loves the city as well. Uh, loves the apartment. Thankfully, um, it's it's minimalistic and it's uh, geared towards remote work as well. Obviously, because I also work from home, uh, and I did this whole um, you know traveling around Europe and sometimes in Asia um, in the last ten years uh, from Budapest all the time. Uh, I. I really don't like to work and travel, so I usually separate that two into into two distinctive uh, uh, segments. Um, but it's perfect if you are living in Europe. Uh, yes, as you said. By the way, we had a, a direct flight to Valencia as well, um, and uh, I've I've been in Valencia uh, many times. One of the Previous uh, companies that I worked for, one of the team members, uh, he's from Valencia. So we connected there uh, a lot. And yes, it's like, I don't know, 30 minutes or so to the airport, uh, to the central. Yeah, it's pretty convenient. So it takes around a total of five hours uh, from Budapest to airport, from door to door. Door to door. Yeah, they're talking about like flying across a continent and like connecting two major cities in in what is for all intents and purposes like two different worlds, like uh, like Hungary and Spain, Budapest and Valencia, like just just different worlds. And that, that's one of the great things for me about living in, in Europe that I've enjoyed so much is like you can so quickly change your surroundings uh, completely. And, and that can be driving across a border or it can be um, you know, flying across the, the continent and where we are now here in Italy, like even north to south, just in Italy, it's so different. It's mind blowing. I, and I, I'm, I'm like in love with this. And we are both in the north, by the way. Uh, imagine the situation when you, when you are in the, in the north and someone else is in the south. It's all pretty much a totally different country. Uh, and that's the thing that I love a lot about Europe as well. I'm, of course, I'm from here. Uh, and I would never live anywhere else, um, is that within hours, you can immerse yourself in a totally different culture uh, with almost a limited amount of travel uh, needed to do so. Um, and yeah, you are from the US. So obviously, it's, if you want to go from the south to the, uh, to the north or from east to the west, it's, I don't know, it's like five hours of flight and, and stuff like that. So insane, insane travel. Uh, and it's not even that different than, than you have that experience in, 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 in Europe as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I would never trade that again with anything else. Well, I've, I've got to share some context with you. I don't, I don't think I shared this with you before, but, um, so 
you one of one of the reasons why we're having this discussion today is um, somehow we got connected through our work uh, years a, a year or two years ago. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Um, but at some point, I it became apparent to me that you had you also had a love affair with Italy, um, like I did. So I've been living in Spain, but I would often take trips. It was you know we my wife and I would find. 15 euro flights or, or 50 euro flights or something from Valencia to Spain, I mean, from Valencia to Italy. And we would just often take these trips over to Italy and we just do cooking classes. And we, we love the culture. We love living in Spain and we loved traveling to, to Italy. And it was just this like great, great uh, joy. Um, but at some point we decided like, you know, we're doing more traveling, like long-term traveling now. And we wanted to spend some significant time in, in Italy and for some reason, you and I were connected. We were having a separate conversation um, about work stuff and it migrated. I don't know if you recall this, but it migrated to Italy. And I and your enthusiasm, like you're passionate about the remote work movement. Because I'm super passionate about it. Yeah. Yes, you are. Your passion for Italy like totally came through the, the words to me, the chat to me, you know, that we we're going back and forth and you knew so much about this country. And I was like, I thought I knew a lot. Like I've, I've visited a lot of Italy. I was like, this dude, Peter knows his stuff when it comes to this country. So I had it in the back of my mind, like when, when I circle back, when I get back to Italy, uh, I want to have a chat with you when, when you and I are both here. And so <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have lots of questions, but I, I thought that's some fun context to share because there's a there's a reason that you know that I really wanted to have this conversation. I'm I've just recently arrived here. I'm planning on spending several months here. Uh, I think so. Let me let me start with this. Do you what is your cadence with with Italy? Like you're you're from Budapest, but you but you live in Italy sometimes. Yeah, and like 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 let's go, let's just back up a little bit and 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 start from there. Okay, okay, okay. So, <laughs> uh, oh, and by the way, you came to Italy from Greece, right? Am I correct? Cor correct. Yeah, I took a ferry from from Gr Greece. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This this will be important because you spent some time in in Spain, you spent some time in Greece, and now you are spending time in Italy. So I think you can you can correlate these three countries together because they are both in the Mediterranean, but they are inherently different in terms of culture. So, so why Italy? Um, yeah, that's a tough question, uh, actually. Um, so I run a lifestyle business, meaning that I work remotely uh, as a consultant and, uh, and, uh, and mentor for others, um, meaning that I can decide where I want to live. Uh, and that's a big thing. And uh, having traveled everywhere, uh, I've... I've I think I pretty much visited every country in, in Europe and uh, some of some of the countries in, in the Americas and also in Asia. First of all, I always narrowed down the, the interest in terms of where do I want to live. Uh, so I never I never wanted to move out from from Europe. That's also a big thing because most remote workers, I'm not most, but some remote workers, um, they sometimes uh, travel to Bali or Thailand or Southeast Asia. There is a ongoing trend to do so. I'm super European, so I, I can't really imagine myself living in uh, in in Asia or in the in, or in the or in the Latin America or in or in, anywhere in the American continent. I would only imagine myself in Europe. So that also narrows down everything, right? Uh, I also love the the climate. 
uh, it's super important to me because, I mean, let's be honest, uh, winter, fall and early spring in Budapest, well, it's not the best time to visit the city, I think, in terms of the climate and, and all there is pretty gray and rainy. And also, I mentioned this before, uh, I spent two, three years in, in London as well. So I know a lot about rain and and uh, and being in the gray. <laughs> Although I loved London so much, by the way, so that's that's not offensive, I guess. Um, and also, it means that all of the northern uh, region of, uh, of of Europe pretty much out of the question, right? So I left with the Mediterranean and Central Europe. Now I'm from Central Europe or like Eastern Europe. Um, and most of the countries are kind of like the same there in terms of culture. So I wanted to change. Arrived short, pretty much we ended up in the Mediterranean. So I had three choices, Spain, Greece, and Italy. I went with Italy uh, because of the culture. And I uh, hope, hope no one gets offended in Spain or Greece. But I figured that most of what I call European is either inherently started or or came from Italy, from the Roman Empire, of course. And you can still somehow, it's somehow it's palpable still you know, within this country. So I feel really connected to the people that are here, to the culture that they have. Everywhere that you just go, you can see the history. I, By the way, I personally, I, I studied history in, in the uni. So it's pretty important to me as to tell the story or get connected to a place through the story, through the history. And Italy also, the food, that's that's one of the things that, that's super important. I, I have a saying that if you are forced to eat from one culture and one culture alone for your entire life, at the end of the day, you will end up with three to four, maybe five distinctive cultures of food. You will have the Chinese food because that's so diverse, right? Um, you will have the Indian food that's also super diverse um, and you won't get bored at all. You have the French food, which is pretty much the baseline of uh, European cooking. And at the end, you will have the Italian food. So no, seriously, uh, it's not a coincidence that that most like restaurant chains around the world, they have these kind of uh, uh, food or gastronomical traits all around the world because it's easy to replicate, easy to consume. It's diverse enough to, to eat well and, uh, and enjoy yourself. Can we make room for one more? Can can we uh, can we make room for for tacos? I'm a big taco guy, so like. And I and I think Mexican too. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be my only addition. I'm allowing it. Yes, yes, totally, totally. <laughs> I think it's fascinating the the process you went through though, because it was sort of like a pro, a, a methodical process of elimination, which it was a methodical front. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's. There's something really interesting there because, um, you know, I talk to a lot of people like through this show, audience, guests, whatever that are just in my like day to day life that are going through this transition of picking like where they want to live. And, and it can be kind of like consuming. And I've met people who just like first place that came to them, they pulled the trigger on it. They went and it, it worked out or, or it didn't, but they just like dove in head first. And I've met other people who go through this like very methodical approach and figure out 
what is best for them. And, and I've done a little bit of a mix in the past. Like I've done a little bit of both in the past. I, I ended up in Spain sort of on the, like sort of on a whim a little bit more than like, I didn't pick Spain. Spain sort of presented itself to me and it was like, okay, yeah, sure. Let's just do that. Um, and that worked out, but I'm now at this, the reason I bring kind of like circle back to this is because I'm now sort of doing the same thing and have also like that you did and also sort of landed on Italy as like, this could be a great home base be for, for many of the reasons that you, that you mentioned. One other thing I'll add to that, like, or let me expound upon it just a little bit. One of the big thing there is like weather and diversity and like, so you have here in Italy, you have like incredible, you, depending on where you want to be in the country. I mean, you can live in the Alps or you can live on the beaches of Sicily. Like you, there's, there's, a, there's a lot in between. Um, but you have diversity and you have a like central being central in Europe and being able to hop off to a lot of different places, um, and have a lot of different diversity in terms of like nature and obviously history and gastronomy. And so anyway, it's just kind of funny because I'm also going through this mental exercise now and, uh, and, and I feel like I'm approaching it more in the, in the Peter vein than I have in the past, which, <laughs> which I'm enjoying. <laughs> everyone, everyone is, everyone is getting uh, a bit more intentional. I think once you travel a little bit more, uh, so by the way, on the diversity thing in terms of like, uh, uh, climate and, uh, and, and mountains and seas and whatever, um, I think it's, I think there are only two distinctive countries on the planet where you can do the following. You can ski during the morning, take a car and then swim in the sea, uh, in, in the very nice weather. Uh, you can do that in New Zealand, uh, and also in Italy. Uh, some parts of France, some pro some parts of Spain, yes, but in Italy and in New Zealand, you can do it pretty much anywhere uh, within the country. So that's that's a great thing in terms of like motivation. I think everyone. So I again, I I studied the history. I'm wholeheartedly Euro European. I have my uh, full personal motivation to live here. Um, but everyone else also has the personal motivation. So if you are if you are super into sea and, and swimming and, and surfing, you probably go with Portugal. Uh, if you are if you are into into Europe, for example, or you will be super fine with uh, with uh, most of the Southeast uh, Asian countries, especially in Bali. Um, but that's also personal motivation because that's important for you. So what I would love to get across is that find what's important for you. Uh, be intentional about and experiment a lot. So once you have the opportunity to to work remotely or you know unhook the location uh, from your income uh, or your revenue or whatever you do or your work, um, do some experimentation. Live somewhere for I think it's live somewhere for at least a month. So within a month, I think. That's like an enough-ish time frame when the honeymoon phase is over uh, from the new country, but you can still experience the great and the bad stuff as well. See how you can deal with that. Italy comes with challenges, by the way, like with any other countries. Um, I don't want to uh, make any puns about the uh, uh, 
the, the working methods of Italians in terms of how they structure their houses, their insulation, which is it's totally not an Italian world. Um, but still, you know, it has challenges, but it has their beauties as well. Um, and you personally need to find what is important for you based on your personal motivation and make intentional decisions on where you want to live. Once you are intentional, I'm 100% sure that you will get, get into uh, this methodical approach that I'm doing right now. Everyone will want to work where they want. They, everyone will want to live where they are feeling, you know, inspired, cherished, and uh, and homey as they as they as they can. Yeah, you know, you, something that I've found at this stage in life that's like. I'm realizing more and more is really important to me is finding the right balance between city and access to nature. Um, I probably, you know, like I've, I've mentioned this several times here on the show. So like uh, for anybody listening, that's like, we got it, dude, we're, we're done hearing about that. <laughs> uh, apologies. But like that, that is something that I'm realizing is like more and more important to me. And, and so that's just specific to me. Like I want to have an, enough of a city where I have infrastructure, like, uh, you know, like, co-working space and and a network of of other both a good combination of you know locals and expats and nomads and you know just some some community and then access to nature like just being able to get out and whether that be mountains or lakes or sea or whatever just like just to be able to get out of the city and and it's uh it can be it's it's a little bit challenging to like check all the boxes you know like to to find that perfect place so you have to I think you have to set aside the idea that there's nowhere, nowhere's the perfect place. There nowhere, no place has everything. Um, but just, you have to get really intentional about what's important to you. And, uh, and it, even if that means just like settling on a country, uh, like that can be a good starting point because one thing that I, I bet you've seen this too, Peter is like this, this paradox of choice is like plaguing people in our world. Like the people who have suddenly give, been given all the location independence, they can choose where they, where they're going to work, uh, where they're going to live, uh, when they're going to work. Um, you know, they have like so much optionality and we already make like 3000 decisions every single day. Now you're being given all this extra optionality. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Like you, you, nobody's, you know, you're getting a pity party for this, but it's, it's true that it, I hear people like, Ah, oh, I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think it just starts with like, like you said, like going through some sort of process to really figure out what's important. And, and once you decide on something like move forward with it and give it a shot, figure out yourself first. That's, that's like job number one, uh, know yourself, understand what is important, uh, to you, understand what is important to your lifestyle. Just FYI, I'm not sure that I'm or I don't know. Do you have kids? Uh, no, I do not. No, and, and yeah, me neither. So um, if we would have kids, for example, the whole discussion would be totally different. Uh, we won't be discussing about. Uh, uh, I mean, right now, the place where I'm calling from it's a borgo. Uh, it's an Italian name for a, for a really old medieval castle commune village thingy uh we have i'm not sure but kind of like 80 people uh most of them are above 80 as well by the way so, so everything is 
you got all the community you were looking for, right? <laughs> well, obviously, it's like a sanatorium. Uh, so uh, we have one restaurant that's open on Thursday to Sunday, uh, and that's it. Uh, my, by the way, my personal goal right now is to eat through the entire menu uh, during my stay here. I don't know. But again, if I would have kids, that's totally different. It's school time. There is no school here. There is no bus. You cannot go anywhere from uh, by car, whatever. So you have to figure out maybe online education. Um, who will the kids will play with? You know, again, different lifestyle situations command different lifestyle choices. Uh, and I think it's important to factor in that. What do you want to, uh, to do with your life in general? Because yes, you have the abundance of choice. Uh, but once you figure out what you actually really need and what you actually really want, at the end of the day, those choices will be a narrow, narrow path. For example, you said that you want to have the mixture of uh, uh, nature and city dwelling. Italy is a perfect place for that because, for example, yes, right now I'm in this Borgo in, up in the mountains, but 40, 40 minutes of drive and I'm in the Cinque Terre, uh, the very, very famous Italian Riviera and stuff. 40 minutes. Um, so that's it. Oh, by the way, if you're moving to Italy, buy a car, rent a car, get a car, steal a car. I don't care how, but have a car without that. And you want, you don't want to, please don't rely on Italian public transportation. Don't. Only maybe in Rome, maybe in Rome or something, but nowhere else. Maybe the, maybe the trains that, that, that they, they work most of the time. Uh, but yeah, have a car, please. I, I think that's really good advice um, because and, and it varies re, like like from north to south, that confidence in uh, in public transportation changes a lot, right? Like when you start up in the north of Italy, like the it's it's very it's actually like it's done really well and the trains are nice and all the th ni <laughs> nice ish and then but as you move further south it gets it gets more challenging um anything below rome is mm, i wouldn't say it's not belonging to any kind of public transportation routes or something but it's really hard to reach things uh even with car by the way so yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging, but it has its beauty. Uh, but it, by the way, it's not an Italian thing. It's a Mediterranean thing. I don't know why, but only what I, what I saw that it was, it's only the Spanish that they figured out how to do public transportation uh, in their country, uh, in the Mediterranean. Uh, Greece is even worse uh, compared to Italy, by the way. By comparison standards, Spain, if you do public transportation in Central Europe, you know, C Central Europe, it like it works like perfectly. It's like you know, almost perfectly. It's just like amazing. Spain is a is a step down, but I think, as you said, like you know, comparatively Mediterranean wise, it's um, there's high speed trains between. It's not Germany, but but it's working. So, but it works, yeah. And then like going from there to, I spent I spent some time in Germany before going to Greece, and so that drastic difference of like being able to rely perfectly on public transportation then getting down to Greece and like it just wasn't really a thing and um, the infrastructure wasn't there at all it was like at, you, you just realize that it's like oh this is a pain point for me I've gotten accustomed to having this and uh, and yeah it's 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 funny 
Also, one thing about uh, uh, another thing about Italy is that um, so I'm building a, a, in public uh, a pet project aside from my actual consulting, you know, pay the bills uh, business. It's called Anywhere Italy. It's a plug. Uh, go there and check there. Um, because what I saw when I arrived here, I don't know, three years ago. So I'm now the situation is that I'm live mostly during the summertime. I live in Budapest. Uh, but uh, aside from the summer, usually I live in Italy and I'm planning to buy uh, a property here because renting is so expensive here and you cannot really do that uh, on the mm. long term. So it's cheaper to buy than it is to rent in Italy. Of course, yes. Well, not just, not just, not, well, what can you rent just to uh, g- give it a taste? You can rent from Airbnb highly inflated because mm-hmm. it's Italy, right? Everyone is going to Italy for a summer holiday or so. Yeah. Uh, that's one. Or or you can rent for, for longer term. But in Italy, they tend to, because most of the wealth of the country is in real estate, they tend to prefer long-term rentals. So three to two, two to two, two to three, or even five years or even more so uh, signed contract rents. I can't afford that to to plan my life to to stay there for five years or so. Uh, there is no short term rental for like a half a year or a year. There are, but it's rare. So it's kind of like easier to actually buy uh, um, and I don't know lease it out later on. And um, if you are not there, you just rent it out as an Airbnb of yours, and that's it. Who cares, right? But back to the point, Italy is so overrated in terms of tourism but it's so underrated as a remote work location. There are some people here in Italy who are doing amazing stuff, like Outquarters, Kino Italy. Uh, Go check them out. They are doing really great stuff. Um, They are occupying or having a a villa or a commune or something and making co-living programs together uh, for remote workers. But that's not really enough. Uh, I'm... I actually was—I wouldn't say offended, but uh, but I, mot- I was motivated by the insane, huge po- popularity of Portugal uh, with with remote work. I just don't understand why, when we do have Italy here, uh, almost like the same experience, same price, same everything, but a little more diverse here. Yet in Italy, we don't have these programs uh, like you do have in Portugal. And that's a shame because everything is geared towards the remote work here. I'm, again, up in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I have zero, zero signal on my mobile, but I have blazing fast internet. I can work online pretty easily. We have so many co-working offices in the cities everywhere in Italy. There is a Italian uh, network as well for co-working offices in, in most of the cities here. I'm sure that you have it uh, in, in Trento as well, which is not a big city, by the way. Uh, it's a smaller commune-ish thingy. So uh, all the infra- infrastructure is here, yet the whole thing is not popular within remote workers. And I think that has to be changed. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. 
This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Lexity. I've lived abroad in various countries, and one common denominator I've found is that dealing with foreign bureaucracy is a nightmare. Trying to navigate visa and immigration waters in another language is not something I'd recommend ever trying on your own, even for the most experienced of us. So when I recently had to renew my Spanish visa again, I turned it over to the pros at Lexity. They've already helped more than 5,000 expats and digital nomads find a home and thrive in countries like Portugal, or in my case, Spain, also Italy, France, and Greece. Some very desirable locations indeed. So whether you're trying to obtain your first visa abroad, purchase a property, or work through international tax issues, Lexity's team of friendly lawyers is here to simplify your journey. The team is super knowledgeable, bilingual, and thorough, and I seriously cannot recommend their services enough. My experience working with them has been incredible, and I can honestly say I don't know that I would have EU permanent residency if it wasn't for the help of the team at Lexity. So if you're ready to make your move abroad, then Lexity is offering an exclusive discount to About Abroad listeners. Grab 10% off your first service with the code aboutabroad2023 and learn more over at lexity.com in the show notes and start your abroad journey today. If you've made it this far into the episode and you're still enjoying yourself, then I would love to ask a quick favor. Open up the app that you're using to listen to this podcast and leave a quick review. You can do this in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and really just about any platform that allows podcast listening now. If you can't find that in the interface of the app, then scroll down in the show notes and find ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, and you should be able to leave it from there. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate it and hope you enjoy the rest use of the this show. As a jumping off point, because as I mentioned before, we were having this this online chat about Italy and your knowledge of the country and, and the passion shined through so much for me. But you knew things about the country, like geographically, where things were located, what what would be interesting to me. You're asking the right questions um, and then giving me the right answers with with literally like drawn out maps and and stuff. I mean, annotated maps. It was awesome. Um, so I want to maybe ch- challenge you because I think a lot of everybody listening, you know, you know, Rome, you know, Florence, you know, Venice, you know, Milan. You want the free tips, right? You want the free tips where to go instead of. Yeah. So let's let's pull those places off the map for a bit and let's ask, you know, pretend that I'm asking the question. I'm, I'm somebody that's getting ready to venture out. I'm going to spend three months somewhere in Italy. Let's talk about you know, two or two or three of your favorite places in the country after spending many years here over the years, you know, where would you recommend people go to get a, an authentic, but still like real, you know, a, a regular somewhat experience, you know, where you can still do things, meet locals or meet travelers. Um, you know, it's cool to go to a Burgo. I love what you're doing, but like that probably won't be everybody's dream. <laughs> so Let's let's uh, let's you know start with that and and see where it goes. Sure, sure, sure. So I don't think that we need to uh, abandon the places that everyone is visiting anyway. So Venezia is sorry, Venice is amazing, Rome is amazing, Cinque Terre is amazing. Yes, but instead of staying there, look for places next to those places, uh, and instead of staying within that place, look. Uh, for that place to stay next to that, like half a, half, a, half an hour of drive, 20 minutes of train ride, 10 minutes of ship drive or what a boat drive or whatever. For example, in Venezia, look for uh, Treviso. It's a mid-sized city uh, with all the canals as well, by the way, that Venezia can offer. 
um, and it on, it's only 20 minutes of train ride from the centro of the of, of Venice. Um, or you look for Chioggia as well. That's also also a small little fishing village-ish thingy next to Venice. Uh, 10 minutes of boat drive to Lido de Venezia. Uh, look Ch- for... Chioggia, uh, you said? Chioggia. C-H-I-O-G-G-A, I think. Chioggia. Okay. Chioggia. Okay. Good to know. Just yeah, like I didn't know that one. L- little south from from Venezia. Uh, if you're going to, to the Cinque Terre, everyone loves the Cinque Terre and the, and the Italian Riviera, right? Don't go to the to the main ones. Understandable so. Don't go to Rio Maggiore and all, this, all the cities that are there, or villages, sorry. Go to Lerici. It's a L-E-R-I-C-I. Lerici. Uh, it's a small little village uh, next to these Cinque Terre villages. You can catch a boat drive Half an hour, visit all the Cinque Terre and visit uh, visited uh, villages, and spend a little bit more authentic and less touristy place um, next to those. Because I think what's important to understand, uh, I think in in Italy in general, but it's I think it's applicable for every every other country uh, that are affected by high volume of tourism. If you are slow traveling, your number one goal is to avoid the tourists. You don't want to look and and uh, behave and live like a tourist there. So just the off the beaten path is pretty much the next path uh, uh, of the popular path, next to the popular path. So just pick a city which is next to the city that you are trying to visit. If you have a car or a train, it will be a much more authentic experience for you. One more last tip. Uh, Ronciglion. Uh, I hope that I won't won't flood an influx of tourists there because uh, it's an amazing place. It's very sacred and small, at least to me. Um, it's forty hours of drive from Rome. You can experience everything that you can experience in Rome, but not forty minutes. In Rome. Forty minutes is nothing. Well, wow. How do you say that name again? Uh, Ronciglion. It's R-O-N-C-R-L-I-O-N-E, I think, or something like that. It's a little bit up north from Rome. And there are many, many countless examples, but I'm usually traveling um, in the north of Italy, and I only venture to the south occasionally. So please don't ask me about best places about uh, next to Napoli or something, or the Amalfi Coast. Um, but yeah, I can I can give you some names on the, on the north only. Yeah, I mean, those are some great suggestions um, that, you know, what I found is like, for example, I, I, one of the first places I ever traveled to that I like really fell in love with was Cinco Terra. And I just thought it was amazing, but I didn't have the um, the vantage point of being like annoyed by the over tourism at that. I, I was able to look right past that because I was one of them and it was just like this. I was a tourist and it was just amazing to me. Um, but now going, I've been back a couple times and it is still one of like, I'm still able to set the mass tourism aside because I just, there is something special about that area, but I love looking for those hidden gems just outside those main tourist areas. So those, that's a really good suggestion in, in that regard. And like going down the coast to like the Amalfi coast, for example, it's actually one of my least favorite places. It's like one of the the places that everybody loves going to. I really enjoyed seeing Pompeii, 
but the Amalfi Coast itself was like just too pricey, too it, too too like Disney World e for me. It just didn't feel real. It just felt like all tourists and no no real like genuine Italy to me. And and I think that's my big warning for anybody coming to Italy. I mean, I, I actually have probably four or five open conversations with people right now who are asking for suggestions about making trips to Italy next year and stuff. And that's, these are the kind of places people want to go. And it's like, don't, if you experience that Italy, like, I just don't know that you're going to have a wonderful experience because it's the like depth of the culture here that that's, that's really amazing. And so more than probably anywhere else in the world that I've been to, I feel like it's where you, when you get beyond the, the tourist traps and find that, that next tier, exactly as you said, like that's where you're going to have the best experience. Yes. And also just one last word, invest the time. Don't, I mean, you cannot really do Italy with three weeks, like entire Italy. I mean, I've seen so many people who, who visited uh, Lake Como, Venezia, Milano, and what else? Firenze, and all they did that within two to three weeks. That's, Can I, I tell mean, you a funny I understand. Story? <laughs> yeah, please, please, please do so. <laughs> I think, no, I just, it's, it's, this is a total like American thing that we do. We have little vacation time. And so my I wife know. and I, when I first, uh, first started like traveling together, when we had money finally and jobs and stuff, uh, we would travel over from the US and we did one time we, in a week, we flew over and we did Rome, Cinque Terre and Florence in a week. And in our mind, like we did Italy and I see the pain on your face tick, and I feel that tick, pain now. Tick, tick on the map. <laughs> yeah. It's a tick seven, on the map. Seven days. Yeah. We have photos days. that prove that we were there. We can show it to our uh, friends locally at home that we were there. We didn't understand pretty much anything about where we were, but still we were there. Sorry about that. And uh, yeah, it's again, you are working online so you have the ability and the time to experience things a little bit slower uh i wouldn't say that you need to spend years and months and whatever um but just a little bit slower uh do a road trip do spend two to three days at the at, at any given city maybe a week for rome or more um but but yeah one other uh secret tip uh verona because it's connected to budapest a lot if you've been to Budapest at all, uh, you will understand that there is a, the city geographically spun, uh, and just tying back to the Budapest uh, uh, topic, it's a, it's a very hilly side of the Buda Hills and the Pest side, which is very flat, and that's where most of the stuff happening, uh, separated with the Danube River, which is very wide and uh, big bridges and whatever. Um, it's the same like Verona. So Verona is, as a city, it's also separated with a well, a little bit smaller river, uh, but it has uh, also a hillside uh, with castles and stuff, um, and also a plain side where you do have the central, the, the central of the city. Uh, I really love that place because it reminds me how Budapest should look like <laughs> uh, if it would be an Italian city. Um, and I spent so much time there. Uh, and there's a big digital nomad community there. There is even a startup scene-ish uh, that's growing there. 
a lot of companies are there, uh, co-working spaces, expats, and it's a good home base if you are traveling within Italy. Um, so it's it's an epicenter of highways, or airport, uh, closely tied to domestic airport travel. Um, so it's a good home base if you want to live a convenient city life, but uh, without the tourists. Not many people visit Verona. I could not agree with you more, Peter. I swear, I swear, like I've, I've could not agree with you more. It's a, uh, it kind of reminds me of like, I know this isn't going to really do it justice, but it's like a little Rome in a way, because like you have like the big amphitheater that really looks like a smaller version of the Colosseum. Um, you've got that, that traditional kind of like Mediterranean architecture. There's a decent enough size airport where like, like you mentioned flying direct to Budapest. That's the reason I went there is there's direct flights from Valencia originally the first time i went there it was because of that and then i've recently learned it's the it's the closest major international major ish airport to where i am now up in the dolomites so i'm up in the italian alps in one hour i could be in verona from verona i can fly one stop all to pretty much anywhere in the us it goes uh there's a connection in munich and and heathrow so one stop i'm back to like pretty much anywhere in the us 14 15 hours of travel um, so that's, that's pretty amazing. Like, and, and the fact that you're in the like Mediterranean corridor there, but you're also at the foothill of Lake Garda and the Alps. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty sweet location. Like I, I think, I think it's a little hidden gym. It's close to Prosecco Road as well. Uh, <laughs> let's, so let you, us not forget you, that. <laughs> let's not, let us not forget that. So if you love Napa Valley or any kind of wine region, um, it's, around 30 40 minutes drive from prosecco road where the original prosecco was made and it's still being made um it's a national heritage thingy they have wineries there it's amazing um it's the the really important and interesting stuff and beautiful thing about wineries in italy that most of the wineries are two three five even older, 100 years old wineries still operating, still producing wine uh, with a rich history of doing so. So if you want to experience any kind of wine tasting in a castello, an old castle, um, mm. that's not, no better place to go. Amazing. I, th I think that's a, that's, a, that's a really great final word, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Prosecco Road is always a good place to end. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be glad to end at Prosecco Road any day. So that don't, no, I think don't we, drink I think and drive. Did... Don't drink and drive. <laughs> you take the train. Uh, luckily, the trains are decent in the north. So um, of course, yeah. No, th this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you, uh, thank you also for all the content that you share. Uh, we didn't even really talk about you know what you what you're doing professionally, but. Um, you're, uh, you're, you're a big inspiration and in, in that regard is fun joining you on your podcast. So we're going to place links in the show notes to, to all the work that you're doing on the future of work movement, your, uh, any, anywhere, Italy website and, uh, and the podcast as well, but where can, where can people find you while they're listening? Um, where should they go to, to learn a little bit more, connect with you and, and follow your work? Sure, I'm available on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is pretty unique, Peter Benei, B-E-N-E-I. Um, you can follow me there. I'm posting daily, but here, this is the plug. Please visit anywhere.italy. It's not ready yet. It's still building in public, but it will be ready. It will be a resource hub for those who are traveling remotely for a longer period of time in Italy.
Mm. Perfect. And how about the uh, the podcast? Oh yeah, so I have a professional side as well. Um, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> well, uh, we, I thought we only were discussing Budapest and, and Italy, man. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. But well, well we have people listening. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So, so I run a consulting business where I mentor and consult companies to build better remote operations. Uh, it's called Anywhere.Consulting, and I also have a podcast which you were a guest on. Uh, pretty recently. Uh, it's called Leadership Anywhere. Uh, tune in on Apple and Spotify. Excellent. All right. Links to all those in the show notes. Peter, Thanks, uh, grazie mille. Arrivederci. And piacere, uh, I look piacere. forward to <laughs> Piacere. It's great, great catching up with you, man. I, lo I love learning more about the story and, and all the things you're doing. So uh, catch up with you My soon. Pleasure. Thanks again. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com newsletter to get our monthly newsletter. No spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.